Here's a news flash. Surprise, surprise. Well, look at you. The whole world is watching for my next move. Oh, my God. Times have changed. There are no rules. You're going to love it. Hi, and welcome to Skip Intro, the podcast from Binge, all about the world's best television. Each week, we're here to discuss the biggest new shows on Binge, along with our dinner party recommendations. My name is John Bowen, joined by Ali Herbert Burns, and together we look after all the great TV and movies that you see on Binge. Ali, we're talking about two very different things today. John, this week we've got a new series uh, that comes to us from England called Our House, a bit of a crime thriller, if you want a weekend binge, and a documentary called We Met in Virtual Reality. So two quite different things, as you say, and our dinner party recommendations, as always. Awesome. Well, let's head to the world of mortgages and marriages with our house. What's going on here? This is my house. What have you done with all our things? We've bought it. It's not possible for you to have bought a house that isn't for sale. But it was for sale. Thanks. Based on the novel of the same name, Our House is a new four-part British thriller starring Tuppence Middleton and Martin Comston about a couple whose life begins to unravel with the surprise sale of their house. Ali, the setup for this is, like, quite compelling. You're, like, 30 seconds in and you already know exactly what's happening and you're in it. But basically, it opens with a woman walking down a street She sees some removalists on the side of the road, doesn't think anything of it, gets to her house and realises that the removalists are moving furniture into what she thinks is her house that she thinks she owns but has been sold under her feet. She has this really awkward opening scene, doesn't she, where the new owner is trying to be nice to her as she's clearly having this realisation of the thought kind of tumbling through her head what's going on. So you're definitely dropped in the middle of her house at the very beginning, as you say, and then where does this go? So over four episodes, it takes some twists and turns. You start with why is the house for sale? And then she can't contact her husband. And then she doesn't know where her kids are. I would say for like five or 10 minutes in my mind, I'm like, is this supernatural? Is she a ghost? Has she tumbled from another time zone or something? It's not. It's just a really spicy thriller where you don't go 10 minutes without like a new twist or turn happening. What's really compelling and makes the show, I don't want to say frenetic, like frenzied and fast paced. It cuts between present day where this woman is having a bit of a meltdown not knowing why her house has been sold and the events leading up to it so that's kind of where the pieces start to fall together and you meet the husband who's just had an affair and they start to sell the house and blah 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 blah. anyway it's a bit like the holiday that we talked about a few weeks ago or the girl before that we've also talked about in this podcast it's another one of these really tightly done four-part novel adaptations that you would have maybe read on holidays (laughs) over summer, but instead you get to watch over sort of a tight four by 50 minute episodes. Yeah. And don't the British do this so well. I think there's so many of our customers, listeners of the podcast that want to just get into a story. And like you said, like escapist television, but it's compelling and there's a bit of a thriller or twist to it. It's not too scary, but it keeps you guessing really good length of time, less than three or four hours, really easy weekend binge, but the Brits have such a good way of doing it and I think there'll be lots of people that enjoy this series without giving all of it away it's not just the normal cheating spouse you know there is some really different twists on this one and whilst you might start at the very beginning with a loss of this house or this this lack of understanding about what's going on where it does take you is quite different one thing probably we can talk about without giving it away is the husband and wife have 
this concept when they split about a nesting house. So they keep the house as the central part of the family and the mum and dad are the ones that move out of the house when the other one moves in, you know, so they kind of keep a separate flat so the kids can stay really stable in the house. So the house remains part of their story, even as their marriage dynamics are changing, doesn't it? More twists and turns come. What I found was interesting was with so many of these things you expect just like to open with a murder or something. And I kind of liked that you weren't sure actually what the mystery was or where it was heading and kind of found it much more compelling than just another one of these dramas where you open on a dead body kind of thing. It's a really interesting setup. And much like The Girl Before, which was also interestingly a show that had one of the central characters being a home, the sort of brooding, renovated terrace house that they've made their life in is also kind of this interesting character within the show. Yeah, and it's a beautiful house. Like so many of these series, the house almost represents the dream of the marriage and the coming together of the family and how you grow through your life and kids come and renovations happen and kind of the anchoring point. And that's what's interesting is they have this date parents move in and out of the house but the house is kind of the thing that remains almost as a symbol of the crumbling marriage but it's yeah it's a really different way into a crime thriller and a relationship drama so it's um really well executed isn't it who's involved who made it what do we know about it uh well i was going to say it does star one of the most busy and recognisable men in British television at the moment, Martin Comston, who binge fans will know from Vigil, but might also know from a little show called Line of Duty. Mm -hmm. And it comes to us from ITV, which is one of the big UK channels, but is just known for this kind of like thriller drama world that they do so well. Yeah. So this has been quite popular, hasn't it? We've seen lots of viewing of this as it's come on. Yes. And we've also seen people just burn through it. If you start this show, you're going to finish it. It's interesting to see how quickly people are getting through the four episodes again, it's just so compelling and it's made for these like cliffhangers and yeah you just have to press play on the next step and we've got all four episodes so you can watch it all at once you don't have to wait for the weeks to go by um, which is nice so yeah I think it's definitely if you're in the mood for something you can get into and then you know like a good book read and then finish quickly yeah so all four episodes of our house are streaming for you right now on binge something's happened there's some block in our house what was he doing here I know you you're lying you're very special to me. How would you feel if you came home and you found everything gone? Premiering at the Sundance Film Festival earlier this year, We Met in VR is the first documentary filmed entirely in virtual reality as it exposes the real-life inhabitants of VR Chat, an online platform where people escape the real world in search of connection. With a long-distance relationship, having VR is a game-changer. We are 5,000 miles apart, but we're going to try our best to make it work. Ali, have you spent a lot of time in the in the metaverse? <laughs> I have not. I am not a cool kid. I will go into this very much saying I watched this documentary. I learned a lot, but I did spend a lot of time going, what? I don't know this world at all. Yeah, as we said in the intro, it's the first documentary filmed entirely in virtual reality. And I would say I would almost describe this documentary as a little bit experimental. It's not a traditional documentary with talking heads and narrators. You're watching 80 or 90 minutes of life inside this virtual reality community VR chat, which I had not heard of prior to this. It's, I think it's a bit like Second Life or Oculus mm -hmm. or any one of those ones, but I'd not heard of this specific one. Yeah, it's a very interestingly presented documentary. It came out of the Sundance Film Festival. I would just say go into this maybe not expecting a traditional documentary format, but you kind of then get into the rhythm of 
who these characters are, who their avatars are, and what's happening inside this world. Because, yeah, it's kind of almost just a series of little stories about these communities that have formed in VR chat. It was filmed in 2020, so obviously the backdrop of a pandemic where people can't go out into the real world. They meet some really interesting people inside this community. They meet people who are like dealing with grief or yeah. overcoming addiction, able to like express themselves within VR chat or able to sort of almost play out a long distance relationship in this virtual world. It's sort of really touching moments and really interesting stories that then played out in this like really bright and cartoony world. Yeah, I think your point there, just to describe it to the listeners, is normally when you come into a documentary, there's an expert or there's someone either voicing it over or hosting it. And you're kind of getting a sense of the world you're being dropped into because obviously in documentaries, you kind of get to really go into, in a factual way, a topic. This does exactly that, but you're dropped in straight away like you've just turned on a, a screen and you're in the virtual reality and you're looking at kind of animated people and characters. And to your point, it's almost like a reality series. You're watching people's characters in virtual reality and how they meet and interact and why they talk about how they connect and why that matters. And throughout the documentary, you see sexual relationships or just kind of communities there as well, don't they? So the first entry point into this, and I think probably what would have made it so interesting at the Sundance Film Festival and why it's getting quite a bit of acclaim is is it kind of breaking new ground in the way that it is shown with the virtual reality, the way the whole thing is animated. You never see like a human, the whole thing is with a virtual person. would have thought a more traditional take on this would have been, you know, sit down interviews with the people who are taking part in the world and getting to know them as humans. And But it doesn't do any of that. It just forces you to live in this VR chat world. There's lots of documentaries where they don't have sit down people and there's no narrator and they're kind of those obdocs where you just get thrown into sort of exciting new worlds but those exciting new worlds, you know, it might be like an airline or a cruise ship or something, they're still kind of, you can understand the world they're yeah. in. And people who don't spend time in VR, there's probably just a little jarring when you first enter this. But then you get to know these characters and it becomes really sweet and it's actually quite sad in places. But again, it's sort of this weird experience of this person that's talking about grief or their relationship or something, but like they're dressed like a hot dog, like they're a, they're a hot dog avatar. I know, it's so interesting. And that's why I, I like it because it's forcing you to immerse yourself in a world and learn about it differently, which is, you know, what I like a lot about a lot of documentaries. It's so different. Like it's hard. It just drops and it drops you straight straight in. in. And so you're trying to like look for a signpost or grab for, you know, a fence post or something that helps you understand what you're going through and and trying to understand and and work out. I think it still talks about really universal things. These are all people just like searching for connection or searching for their community. One of the I guess, stories is about this group that teaches sign language inside a virtual reality. And I think the kind of idea was obviously the creators of this platform didn't think people would start to teach each other sign language. So they had to like create lecture halls Mm. and they created these groups where people started to learn virtual reality sign language. And yeah, I just, I found it fascinating the kind of communities that evolved when people are given this platform. Yeah, and obviously there's a bit of a, it's, I think 2020, you said, isn't it, you know, COVID's happening. So you can understand even in a pre-COVID world, virtual reality was getting increasingly popular, but how it would have been a lifeline to so many people when you you literally couldn't see people for the best part of a year or two in America and other places especially. So I learn a lot. Most people still don't have that experience of being an entirely immersive world with a headset and gloves and stuff. Like that's still not quite mainstream yeah. like I know everyone's apparently barreling towards that but for a lot of people that's still a pretty foreign concept it's interesting I was watching it and I was all, like I was thinking about some other 
shows that explore online world. And I was watching it and I was thinking about things like 90 Day Fiance and Catfish. And it's like, there is a virtual reality component of 90 Day Fiance and Catfish because these people are then maybe not meeting in VR chat with headsets on, but they're forming relationships and falling in love over text or FaceTime or Zoom or whatever. How far an extension is it from other types of, because when I have described this to a few people, I've said, oh, people kind of take on an online persona, but not like a catfish, but you still are putting a lens on or presenting yourself out to the world. Because it's interesting watching even like the shapes of people and, you know, some of them, you know, curvy or, you know, in the same way you're probably creating your dream vision of what you want to look like. Are you allowed to not look like yourself or are you supposed to represent roughly what you look like, albeit with a mermaid's tail? I almost thought of it as like the opposite of catfish in that people were like being a version of themselves that they thought was truer to themselves than they are in the real world, Mm -hmm. being able to explore parts of their personality or their persona in VR chat that they can't do in the real world, which I also think is sort of healthy expression. And are these VR worlds primarily positive? And like, you know, this is a lot, this is about people meeting communities. You gave that lovely example of sign language, but are there versions of this that can become quite, I'd imagine like people get bullied or they meet people in virtual reality worlds that they don't like it like you would in real life as well? I don't have tons of experience in virtual reality world, but I I think unfortunately in any part of the internet does end up having positive and negative experiences. I think the documentary definitely portrayed not always positive, but I guess sort of interesting sides of it. It didn't show cyberbullying or assault or anything like that, which I'm sure no doubt is happening in these environments as well. But yeah, I just found it a really interesting introduction and I don't think I've spent any time in real virtual reality so Not it was like the AOL chat rooms if you, if you no <laughs> this documentary is the longest time I've spent watching something like that and I found it fascinating I don't know if I'm going to rush to go and buy a headset but I still found it really interesting yeah well I like documentaries like I say because you learn about a topic you either you go deeper into something you already know about or you learn something new and I, I definitely learned something new but we met in virtual reality just one kind of long feature length documentary yeah one feature docker streaming now on binge you can be who you've always wanted to be and you can in a way start over we can come together and support each other this community means a lot to me and i really want them to know that they're loved john we're at dinner party recommendations you are the head of content at binge you know what's good on binge give us please a few tips on what we should look out for well Our conversation last week about The Sopranos. Did you start watching some? Got my head ticking. (laughs) No, I didn't. (laughs) But it did get me thinking about something else, uh, which happened around the same time, which is... Another show you haven't watched? No? No, a show that I... A show that I think, like, defined me as a a young adult. (gasps) Oh, can Um, I guess? Please do. Same time as Sopranos. HBO meant a lot to a young little, little Johnny growing up. Turn of the century. Looking? No. no. We talked about it. What is it? Six feet under. <gasps> oh, six feet. I should have got that. Oh, yes, look, yes. I should have got that. Okay. Oops. So Six Feet Under came in 2001. Sopranos was 1999. Sex in the City was 1998, but they're all running at the same time. This was like peak early golden age HBO. Yeah. For whatever reason, Six Feet Under really landed with me in, in 2001 when it came out. I watched every episode. People aren't familiar. It's written by Alan Ball, who wrote American Beauty and then went on to write True Blood. Just a few hits. Just a couple of Academy Awards. 
and it's a family drama, but what makes it both really accessible and both really interesting is that it has a really tight format. So this family runs a mortuary, a funeral home, and each episode, in the same way that like a law and order or something is about a murder, each episode is kind of about the death of somebody Mm -hmm. and how that person's death then kind of works its way through the funeral yeah. home. But that's kind of just like the format beat on set to the background of this family drama of this family that runs this all sort of old established funeral home. It's fantastic. It, like it's one of those shows that gets quoted as the best show of all time. It almost helps you understand life better by watching, as you say, each episode has a different person that's died. And there's almost like dealing with such a sensitive issue in death it almost makes you through the lens of their family look at life differently yeah absolutely and in the same way seeing how the fishers the family that ran this funeral home also dealt with just constant death in their life they would wake up every day with a new person that they had to treat with respect and have their funeral and deal with their family and while also dealing with all their own garbage that was going on in their life and a lot of stuff went on in their life it's an incredibly accessible show but also is like peak premium drama like it's it's absolutely premium drama but it's so accessible because of those episodic beats to it but also the story that runs through across the five seasons is also just amazing shows get called groundbreaking all the time but i think this was actually groundbreaking it talked about a lot of stuff it represented a lot of stuff that wasn't on tv prior to that and again not to oversell it (laughs) but it's also arguably has like the greatest season finale of all time the final episode blew my mind and people still talk about it and the song in it we need like a section where we just talk about last episodes don't we of things yeah that's a that's a podcast yeah great shout great shout how many episodes if people want looking for a new show Five seasons, but they're each season with like 10 or 12. So it's like 60 episodes wow, all up. Yeah. yeah, it was also Rachel Griffith's big US break as well amongst, you know, a million other things that the show is known for. Yeah. So yeah, brilliant cast, amazing series, holds up. Like I've been, I've been rewatching from season one and what, it's over 20 years old now. And yeah, still really holds up. And yeah, every episode is uh, streaming on Binge. Great shot. Why do people have to die? To make life important. Is that Santa? It is. It's Santa. Hi, Santa. Talking about uh, amazing dramas that are groundbreaking, my recommendation this week is, were you going to let us know that you dropped every episode ever of Doctor Who on the platform? Have we, is that, uh, have we talked about this yet? Like, how good's that? We haven't talked about it. I think we should, uh, for the, oh, it's for not the every, true fans, sorry, yes, no. we should asterisk. Yes, go on, explain. Every 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 modern, let's call it every modern. I used to work at the BBC and season, I, I know a lot of people don't consider season one to be season one and blah, blah, blah. But let's say every episode of the modern The modern season, era starting with, of the Doctor. So starting with Christopher Eccleston, we have sort of quietly released on Binge. They're all there for you. And we're going to have the latest season later this year. So yeah, plenty of Doctor Who to get through. Well, just with Matt Smith appearing in a very big way in the new House of Dragon, which we're obviously super excited and, and is coming very soon. Yeah, it just got me thinking the other day when we were saying, he, you know, saying to someone how he'd been in Doctor Who and lo and behold, every season since 2005 onwards. So thank you, John. That, that's a great addition to Binge and gives you a lot to watch. Have you got a favourite Doctor? We did the tour when Peter Capaldi mm. was here. So I saw him do like talks and stuff. So he's the one that always comes to my mind. And I was the same. I didn't get to meet her, but I got very close to her at a BBC function once, Jodie Whittaker, and she kind of appeared on stage. And it was all very cool. So And Russell T Davies, who we love as well, yeah, um, created wrote it. 
wrote and produced a lot of it. So yeah, what else can we say about Doctor Who? Exactly, exactly. But except lots of episodes streaming for you now. Yes, on bench. <laughs> so let me ask you a question about this brave new world of yours. When you've killed all the bad guys, and when it's all perfect and just and fair, when you have finally got it exactly the way you want it, what are you going to do with the people like you? This week on Skip Intro, we talked about the new British thriller Our House. We discussed the new documentary feature we met in virtual reality. I suggested that you revisit Six Feet Under, and Ali reminded us all that tons of seasons of Doctor Who have just been released for you on Binge. All of these are streaming for you now, which of course you can find on your favourite device. My name is John Baum, joined every week by Ali Herbert Burns. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast was produced by Dan Barrett with audio editing and mixing by Chris Yates, and we'll be back next week. <laughs> <laughs>